Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of You Believe What? This is going to be an intriguing show tonight. We're going to try something a little different, a little new. I'm your host, Chris Allen. You also have... LaShawn Edward. Uh, Tyler Montague. And on this evening, we're going to have the lovely and talented and beautiful and smart Joy Allen <laughs> here. And, and she's going to kind of ask some questions, see what we think, see where we're going. I really have no clue where this is going, so buckle up, Joy. Good evening. So as he mentioned, I am Joy Allen, and I hope all those things he said are true. He's obligated to say them because I am his wife. So we all know how that goes. So gentlemen, your motto is ordinary men, extraordinary conversations. As a female, one thing I can say is that we sometimes are just mystified by men because we just don't really know too much about you guys. And so tonight, I'm going to try and get a little bit of your personality, a little bit of who you are so your listeners know who you are and where you're coming from with the topics you're discussing. So I'd like to start with this question. Of all the things you've done in your life, what would you say is your greatest accomplishment? And I'd love to hear from each of you. Hmm. Start with a home run question. All right, all right. Well, my first answer, because you're in the room, would be marrying my wife. Mm-hmm. See, I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Wisdom, got to know what you But... If I was to step back, I honestly, I think, believe that my greatest accomplishment would probably be either graduation from Marine Corps boot camp mm-hmm. or watching my children graduate from high school. Awesome. Okay. So uh, this is has me thinking already. Um, yes, I was going to say marrying my wife as the first because she... Uh, like my backbone, my support, uh, my help, um, and that's definitely been uh, it's like a great thing. But aside from that, um, in my career, stepping out and competing in coffee, um, since I am a coffee profession, um, that was a great accomplishment. Uh, I didn't go as far as I would have liked to have gone, which is essentially to a world competition, which. I feel like that would be one day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, more personally, uh, um, I feel like being a first-time home buyer, uh, yes. taking that step um, to actually purchase a home, mm-hmm. seeing what that looks like, um, being in our home for like now officially a month now. So that's um, awesome. a major accomplishment for yes. both me and my wife. And um, truly, like a lot of things that I consider like now as accomplishments, like. Like, it's only, like, I'm only half of it because she's, like, the other half to help me get through a lot of things. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Very nice. Well, you congratulations. Good. good. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, I should have went first. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think for me, um, just looking back on my life so far, I think um, my greatest achievement is being a dad. Um, yeah. You know, just... Raising my son Isaiah and watching him grow and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just taking on that responsibility as a child of God to raise him up into the way God wants me to. And um, just seeing those milestones in his life, that's Mm -hmm. uh, just a very, um, it's a a great thing. It lets me know that I'm doing the right thing, Mm -hmm. heading in the right direction. Um, I'm a huge family guy, so I, um, I love family. I love um, the milestones, the experiences, and just being every being there every step of the way for your child's growth, you know. So um, definitely, my son is my biggest achievement. Love being it. Dead, so. Love it. So we have a nice arrangement: <laughs> Marine Corvette, coffee connoisseurs, dads, all of that in the same room. So now I'd like for you to reminisce a little bit, kind of along those lines, since you gave us the segue from talking about raising a child and watching milestones. I'd like for you to think for a moment to your younger self. With all the experiences that you have now, 
if you could have told your younger self to do one thing differently, what would that have been? I would say for my younger self, because I can remember how I was growing up. Um, I would say, um, don't be afraid to be set apart mm. and actually, um, like, I would say, like, strive. Because like, mm -hmm. a lot of times I feel like when I was in school, um, I was, I would say, too smart for my own good because I, I knew how many days I could skip before uh -huh. I would get suspended, like, <laughs> miss school. And I knew how many days I can go to, like, the after-school detention so I can make up for a certain amount of days. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really apply myself in the right way. And I feel like I would, uh, if I could go back and, like, don't do that. Put your energy in the right places. It's like I would be in a different place now. But at the same time, I feel like a lot of those things that I learned or mistakes that I did mm -hmm. kind of helped develop who I am now. But, yeah, I think that's what I would go back and just say apply yourself. Apply more. yourself. I like that. There are a lot of heads nodding in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Do you all have anything to add to that? What would you tell your younger self? Yeah, um, I think for me would be um, not living through the opinions of other people. Ooh. Um, a lot of times growing up, I, it was about perception mm -hmm. and really just people pleasing. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm at, a, I'm at a point in my life now where the only thing that matters is serving God. Mm -hmm. And um, it doesn't matter. Nobody has a heaven or hell to put you in, you know. Um, so if I was to tell myself, if I would have known that and, and grasped that at a younger age, um, I think I would have been maybe farther in life than where I'm at right now. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But but then again, you have to learn somehow, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think the biggest thing for me is, you know, not caring about what people think, but just staying focused on what God wants me to do. Mm -hmm. you know, so. Love it. Mr. Hi. Allen. <laughs> <laughs> I agree totally with both of you because <laughs> it fits because mm -hmm. as most people know, I was the same way when it came. I knew how many days of school I could miss <laughs> and I was good at it. <laughs> um, I think, but if I could tell my younger self anything, it would probably be shut up and listen hmm. because I was that kid that knew everything and didn't realize I didn't know nothing. <laughs> You know, or it would be the fact to realize that the choices I make today have consequences and I might not face that consequence this week mm -hmm. or even this year, but it's going to come back around. Right. Mm -hmm. That would probably actually that would be it, because I think I've lost I've given away more in my life because of decisions I made when I didn't think about tomorrow mm -hmm. than anything else. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So let's unpack those answers a little bit. I want to challenge you just a little bit there. So you mentioned things such as people-pleasing, being able to strive for more and apply yourself. You said shut up and listen. Think about consequences. Although you would have told your younger self those things, as men, I think we could all be honest and say you still struggle with those things. What are people going to think about me as a man? Should I apply myself more or is this good enough? <laughs> right? I'm a man, so do I really need to shut up and listen or am I supposed to leave right now? You know, right. consequences of things. But I'm a man, I should take a chance. How do you balance the advice you just gave your younger self with the activity that you're often faced with in real life as a grown man? I feel, <laughs> I feel like with age comes like wisdom, mm -hmm. and you, um, and you start to realize, and it's like those checks and balances, kind of like what comes to mind. And I feel like for myself, like applying myself, um, and how I apply it today is, um, like in my work and like, um, in achieving my family. Um, making sure that like, I'm exalting my wife, my coworkers, like above myself, making mm -hmm. sure that everybody's in a, um, I guess, 
a space that they feel like happy, which uh-huh. I feel like in the coffee shop that's happening, like customers constantly like speak on that um, at home. Like we're both like striving to be better um, and and continuing like being careless and like mm-hmm. lifting the other one up, um, which and that is like applying yourself to just like that relationship. Um, so, yeah, I think. Um, like as I'm growing and getting older, it's like I'm realizing I'm like, okay, as I put forth more of myself, then you kind of get more out of those situations. Yeah. I think. It makes sense. Yeah. I hear I balance like that. Yeah. I feel that um, those struggles are always there, mm-hmm. but you have a uh, you have a toolbox. Ah. You have something to um, to combat it with. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So. Um, and I, I still struggle with those things today, like, um, you know, worry about what people say, but it's like I remind myself, like, it, it, don't worry about what they think. Just focus on what you need to be doing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a constant reminder. It, it, it never goes away. It's kind of like temptation, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, in, even though you may not see it, it's, it's always strengthening you. And I think when you move from levels to levels... Um, as you continue to grow, it's just it comes at you harder, but you're, but just you're you're always you're prepared for it, mm-hmm. you know, in a sense. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> I like that balance and a toolbox. Okay. And while I think it would have been important for me to shut up and listen, as an adult, as a grown man, I believe that it's still important to shut up and listen. But realize that you have to make a decision, <laughs> and being and, you know, and, 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 and that's the and I think where I was the problem I had a lot as a youth was I never took the time to get catch facts mm-hmm. because I already had my mind made up, so I didn't listen to what other people thought. I didn't care about other people's opinion. It was this is what I'm going to do. So you can talk all day, and I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. So I didn't listen to anything. I didn't catch sound reason I didn't catch bad reason you know (laughs) and so I think where you applied as a as a grown man is no you listen Mm -hmm. because somebody might have have something or say something that either confirms you your decision or makes you question your decision you can't be afraid to answer those questions Mm -hmm. and so yes I definitely think you need to listen but you know it doesn't change at the end of the day you have to make the decision Why y'all look so nervous? <laughs> we never had these conversations with a lady in the room. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's start up a little. Wow. I would love to know, when you were younger, who were your role models and how did they impact you the most? Mine is simple. Um, my grandfather. Um, my dad a little bit, but more so my grandfather because he... Um, like was just handy mm-hmm. and like everything around the house he would do he taught he's the one who taught me how to cook um he's the one who pretty much showed me how to like, just use basic tools and how to just also apply common sense um <laughs> that's <laughs> and, important <laughs> and so um yeah my grandfather was like that uh that father figure for like majority of my life my dad was there but I was also like most under my mom's custody, so it was like only on the weekends when I would see him. Mm-hmm. Um, as I got older, like I started pulling things from him, from like working on my car, being able to do my own stuff. Both had told me it was like read a book. Uh, it's like everything <laughs> you need to know how to do is in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, to still to this day, it's like I, I'm fighting not the urge to read, but like trying to like push past that. Uh, lack of reading so I'm not finding books too intentionally to read um, because growing up I didn't like to read I want to go outside and throw the ball up in the mm-hmm. air and I'd rather be doing something else than sitting in the room to read I was not a bookworm <laughs> um, and I, I yeah um, but still to this day I find there are certain things that uh, my grandfather did that I can remember that if I'm not a I'm a, house, a homeowner and I'm like my grandfather would have did this and um just simple things with the yard. And mm-hmm. I'm like, this is what my grandfather did. Like he weed and feed and he actually mixed in this other stuff with it. And this, this is stuff that I think it was the exact same bag that he used, but we're going to try it. <laughs> so, so yeah, my, my grandpa was uh, one of my, was my biggest role model. 
That's awesome. And that's a legacy that'll save you a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) I think for me, um, my uncle, um, he's actually twins with my mom. So he, um, yeah, so he he was a huge, like, you know, father figure in my life, taught me how to, you know, take care of a house, uh, take care of your own car. And um, just looking at him and how he took care of his family was, um, it definitely taught me a lot of things and not have to reinvent the wheel on mm-hmm. a lot of things. Like you said, it saves you money, you know, to yes. be able to <laughs> buy your own equipment and do stuff yourself around the house. That definitely saves a lot. Um, but then also, I think my grandmother, too. Mm-hmm. Um, she's passed away a couple of years ago, but um, just her spirit and her love for people, mm-hmm. um, regardless of color, um, I don't know. It just really stuck out with me. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a, a very loving person and she always gave. Um, um, but the, yeah. But then also my dad, too. Um, biological dad. He he wasn't around much, but mm-hmm. we definitely talked on the phone a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not like no love or hate relationship or anything. It's, it's really all love. You know, mm-hmm. um, he was a big giver. Like I always um, heard great stories about him just giving to people and taking care of his own family. You know, so just hearing those those positive things about my dad, I think it, it really shaped me of who I thought he was growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of times when, you know, you have mother and dad is not together, you know, the mother talks bad about the, the dad, dad talks about bad about the mother to the child. It's kind of, it was none of that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It was, um, it was just good things. So, yeah, those, those three people really helped shape my life. That's awesome. Sounds like you had a strong village. That's yeah, good. absolutely. <laughs> Love it. First and foremost, I'm, I'm going to say my mother, because if I don't, she listens to the podcast, she will still beat me. Um, <laughs> but This is true. <laughs> but my mother, because I, her and my father separated when I was real young, and she did a whole lot of the dirty work that goes unappreciated and sometimes I even resented it because she was there mm-hmm. and you know my, uh, when I was young my father could do no wrong because he wasn't around mm-hmm. and you know my mother had to deal with a whole lot of that stuff and she took it on and she took it and she dealt and then secondly I would say Ralph Shaw mm-hmm. the general underst- uh, anybody who knows me knows the general and they ain't talking about insurance. That man has a presence. <laughs> Woo! Still does. He was the first man to make me say, that's a man. And, you know, okay, I want to be like him in this part because I always said that I'd never be. I mean, he's, I don't know. I think he was like 6'5". In reality, he was probably 6'1". But he seemed like he was six five, three ten. Um, but he was just, he just was a huge man, and he showed and he taught me about respect and respecting not only you know who you are, but respecting you know, respect for your community. And so that was that was huge. And then the one that would probably shock everyone that knows me and the fi- my final role model would be Dwight Leach, because if you'd have asked me when I was young, there's no way he would make this list. I, I didn't like him. I didn't like anything about him. He got on my last nerves. But then as I look at myself as a grown man, I realize almost everything I am is a reflection of him. And, you know, we share, I share so many character traits with him because he was the one who was there and he was the one who would yell and scream with report cards and he was the one that showed up at baseball games and he was the one who would beat me in front of teachers you know he was the he was the authority I was a bad child <laughs> most of us know this but you know but he was that he was that dude even though I didn't I like I said I didn't see it at the time and I wouldn't have never said it but the rules of my house are the same rules that he had um, the way that I view my children and my relationship is the same thing that he did. And it was just, it, it's one of those things where it's like, I didn't, yeah, how you say, you know, you always say you never want to be your parents. And then you look up one day, yeah. hey, <laughs> and that's who it is for me. Uh, Dwight was so instrumental in me understanding 
that you don't have to be blood to love someone. And the way I love you ain't going to look like what everybody tells you it's supposed to look like. This is what it is. And so, yeah, he's, he's, he's huge for me. I love that. I love that. And, it, you know, you're all successful men in your own right, all strong men, all men who love God, getting your life together, or you have your life together in many ways. So I guess my question to you would be, given that we've established that role models are important, in your opinions, what responsibility do you all have as those successful men to avail yourselves as role models to young men that are coming up? And, and what does that look like to you? How do you, how do you cover that responsibility? I think it's just um, taking on the obligation of the things that you were taught, just mm -hmm. teaching to the next generation. Mm -hmm. um, because you don't want to... You don't want to hoard any of your, the skills and knowledge that was passed down to you mm -hmm. and then it not. I think the only way that it can really manifest is if you teach somebody else. Um, I like that. So I think all of us are teachers, actually. We learn mm -hmm. once from the previous generation and then we learn twice when we mm -hmm. teach the next generation. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very important to, um, to really just teach what you have mm -hmm. because when you're dead and gone, it goes with you. No, that's good. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Because um, immediately I think about, like, my nephews. Mm -hmm. um, and not just my nephews, but, like, anyone who's, like, younger than me that has yet to go through what I've been through, been where I've been. Um, and it's, like, the things that I can show them, share with them, are just the things that I've learned from either mistakes or that someone has taught me. And... Mm -hmm. I feel like it's key to also mention, like, to teach those mistakes. It's like, this is where I messed up. This is where I went wrong. Because this is what I learned from that. You don't have to go through that. Mm -hmm. um, even though I was hard-headed, and I feel like there were some things that some people told me, was like, you don't have to go through this. <laughs> but instead of, like, just not taking their rope for it, I still tried it, and then I went through what they mm -hmm. went through. And it was like, I told you. <laughs> and so, uh, but then I also think about, like... Um, like other family members that like they're not necessarily like younger than me it has to be like a younger youth but like people who never thought of themselves looking into a home buying process like mm -hmm. me and my wife we a year ago didn't think we would be where we are if it hadn't been for a group of guys that we did um a radical mentoring group which is just mm -hmm. more so talking about business but also kind of taught us about like um, net worth and stuff like that and what does that look like I never thought about that stuff before getting up with these guys who are some people who I would just see as peers but they just mm -hmm. have more knowledge about certain stuff um, and then not being afraid to ask those questions because of asking them questions now I can share that same information to somebody else so yeah nice passing the mantle I like it and I think for me it's being like I said being available mm -hmm. but also realizing that I what I know how I act how I carry myself is important for me to show my children yes mm -hmm. but it's also important for me to be available to their friends mm -hmm. because Ralph Shaw was my best friend's father mm -hmm. and he had a great influence on my life and it was because he cared Mm -hmm. about this hard-headed, stubborn kid <laughs> that he didn't know. And it was just like, okay, so if he was available, then I have to make sure that I'm available to know what's going on in my children's life, to know what's going on in their friend's life, and not so much to tell them everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that he told me I was wrong the first time I met him, and he basically <laughs> told me I was wrong the last time I talked to him. You know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the thing is that, you know, it's just being, it's making sure that they know that I'm not just trying to beat up on them, mm -hmm. but I care about them. Mm -hmm. So I, I, when I tell them, I need you to get up and go here. Not only would I tell you, you should get up and go. If you tell me you don't have a ride, I'll take you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think that that's, that that's the way that I have to make sure that I'm available to others and not just because, you know, I think that we have a thing where we try to be very influential with our uh -huh. family and inner circle, but that's the end of it. 
And we have to look past that. They're a part of it, but they can't be all of it. Very nice. I love it. So you all are availing yourselves, and let me say thank you for that, because I think we have all heard and probably agree, at least to some extent, that strong men are needed to help with whatever generation is coming behind. So let's unpack that a little bit. <laughs> I would love to hear from you all, because I, I heard some, some women mentioned in that question when it comes to role models. How important is it, however, for a young man to have a man in their life as a role model? Let's talk about that a little bit. I believe it's very important for a young man to have a man in his life because, like I said, my mother was one of my role models. And there's she loved me and she did things for me, but she could never teach me how to be a man. Now, she could make sure she pointed out to me what a man isn't. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to sit up there and say, okay, you, I can give you examples of bad. But if I'm not showing you good, you never really emulate. Uh, say the right word for me. You, you That's married. It. Okay, good. <laughs> you, ne you, you never copy that. <laughs> you know, you, 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 you get into this thing where it's like you, the only thing you try to do is make sure you're not doing the bad stuff. Mm hmm Instead of, okay, then I need to, it's okay to be loving and it's okay to care and it's okay to smile. And that's one I struggle with to this day, you know, because I was not brought up around smiling men. So I don't smile, you know, so, but you know, the, the thing is, is that, you know, so when it's important for a man to see a man because that's what they'll copy. Yeah, that's good. Cause I, when you say copy, I feel like that's exactly what I did with my grandfather and my dad. Like, I have my mom. I have, like, special mothers that were, like, kind of helped guide me in, like, my my beliefs. And, like, as a Christian now, it's, like, established those, like, prayers and stuff like that. Um, but it was, like, seeing my grandfather. Like, him, staying with him the summer and him waking me up in the morning to go do like put some trimming down in, in the side of like a, a, um, a room that he's building into his trailer or whatnot, or um, getting up with my dad and um, working on his car, like sitting there just spending time with him. Like it's not the same as like when I was just sitting with my mom and like she did hair. So it was like, she, I would just sit in the salon and just be like twiddling my thumbs literally. <laughs> um, and it was like I was more act like involved when like watching them, um, so yeah, I, I definitely like mimic the things that they did, um, even to the like certain things that my grandfather used to say. That my wife she was like, "Why do you say that?" I was like, "My grandfather said that all the time." And like now I, I I see that I see it now. It's like I, it just happens. <laughs> so, just picked it up. Yeah, cool. I think you guys said it most. I mean, it's it's really. Like visual learning, like you got to mm -hmm. see what a man looks like, and um, that's very important because if you're just looking at what a man looks like on a TV screen or on the internet, then that's that's a creating a confused generation. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? <laughs> Amen. Well, <laughs> if you don't even see it, like mm -hmm. what a man looks like in like actual yeah. life, like then you'll like go and like mimic what role model is there like whatever mm -hmm. female role model is there like you might mimic that mm -hmm. um and so and that's yeah. a whole other thing yeah i love it i love it so here's the question of the hour <laughs> it said best in scripture when i became a man i put away childish things right <laughs> um, when did you? Uh, when did you know? We gonna move on. Real <laughs> answer. <laughs> when did you know you were a man? What was that trigger for you? That when you knew. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, I don't, let me, you can finish the question. That's, that's, that's <laughs> when did you know you were a man? What was the trigger? What what made you what made you realize I'm grown? Hmm. I don't know. It's just like I know I had a I had a job when I was in high school because mm -hmm. I was getting ready for college football and I I, I was eating up everything in the house and <laughs> my mom was like, "Look, boy, you need to get you a job." <laughs> so 
And I, I don't know if that at that point maybe a man because I, I had a job, mm-hmm. but and I went out to college, but um, I don't know what at what step or stage when you're officially an, a man. I think it's just. Mm, I don't know. You can't even put an age on it or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just your your parents raise you up for that moment to be a man from a child to a man. It's just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I think, Do you feel like a man now? Uh, yeah. Okay, you got there. I'm still a big kid. Got to have fun with life. Big, we're gonna talk about it. Yeah. Yes, I'm still a kid, but I'm a man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna enjoy life. Right. I think. I think there is a, a. It's like it's not just like it's a job doesn't define what a man is. Okay. Um, I guess paying bills doesn't define because I think about like myself where I was working in in high school as well. Um, got a job at like 14. Um, and my dad was breaking me back and forth to work. Um, and I was bought my own first cell phone after I had to walk down a long, dark road in window where there's no street lights. <laughs> um, I said never again. Um, and I bought my own first cell phone. Um, I think what really was a defining moment for me be transforming from or putting away my, my childish things and becoming a man was when I took away the safety net of I can move back home. Ah. Um, there was a time where I had moved out of my dad's house and then I was staying with other people in the ministry and whatnot. Um, and it was always just thought of like, oh, there's a safety net where if things get super rough, tough, mm-hmm. I can just move back home. Um, and I got to a point where I was like, well, I'm not going to move back home. Like regardless of what, like my dad will help me out. My uncle who stays like literally in the house to cross the field from where my dad stays at is like, this room is always here for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, thank you, but I cannot. Um, I, I told myself and I was like, I would rather sleep in my car and make ends meet. Mm-hmm. I planned it all the way out. I was like, I'll go to Planet Fitness, work out, take a shower in the gym. Like all that's kind of just $10, go to work. And I mean, I'm sleeping in the car, so I could just eat oozing noodles and beans and mm-hmm. like, I'd be fine. Like I was determined not to move back home. Um, and it wasn't so much of a stubbornness. It was more so to like, like I need to stand on my own two feet and mm-hmm. remove, like not have the, the crutch to kind of lean back on. Um, and thankfully I never had to like either go to my uncle's house or never had to sleep in the car. I'd have stuff on some like floors in the living room mm-hmm. um, and pay rent for sleeping on the floor in the living room. But it was those decisions to like keep moving forward and like remove that safety net for myself. That's good. So for you, it was kind of, was it like an independence thing or just a mindset thing of, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take control of my own life, so to speak. It was, uh, I feel like it was a mindset because it wasn't so much like I didn't need people or had people help because I, I my rent was like $200 and I was barely paying that because I was working at Michael's like minimum wage three o'clock in the morning. But I was determined to like get up and be there at three o'clock in the morning. I refused to like not have a job. I mm-hmm. like I said if I had to go to a farm and shovel horse poo just to, to make a dollar, I would do that mm-hmm. versus like nothing. And depending upon even like reaching my hand out for like a disability or just unemployment, anything like that, I would rather do something. Um, so it was not necessarily not depending on other people because I had help, mm-hmm. but also it was a mindset of like, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to like, I guess I, I don't really know how I would word it, but like, um, yeah, I would just not necessarily being dependent upon myself, like mm-hmm. myself, but still reaching help and having help. Uh, it was definitely a mindset change. So, good stuff. I wish I was as mature as y'all. <laughs> when did you know you were a man, Christopher? <laughs> <laughs> Convince me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how worse than when she said it like that. Uh, well, it was 2019. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I believe for me, it was 
when I my first marriage, um, when I made the, when I had the realization that I would rather not have than my family not have, because mm-hmm. um, up until then everything was about me. And, you know, and, and I think I, for me, I believe that's kind of that transition into manhood when you realize it's not about you. Mm-hmm. It's about something else. Mm-hmm. And even when I listen to your, what you're talking about, Tyler, is like, you know, when you had that realization of that you have to do it, mm-hmm. it, it you know, it's, it, it has to be me that does it. It's not I can't. I can't wait for other people. I can't be on other people's schedule. I'm going to do it. And, you know, I think that was, for me, that was where I had, I believe I had my come to Jesus moment. It was like, okay, all right. We, I, I got, I have a wife. I have two stepdaughters. And right now the lights aren't on. Why not? Well, I ain't paid this bill. How come I ain't paid this bill? Well, let me find out what I can do here. What I can do here. So then all of a sudden I go to, from a person that was, you know, chilling to I'm working for the Marine Corps and I got a part time job in the convenience store. <laughs> and it's like, uh, when do you sleep? I get I get between three and six a.m. I'm good. <laughs> you know, it's, it, because I had to do those things because I didn't want to, I, I, it was I didn't want to put it on anyone else. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was it for me more than it was, you know. I, I just deci- I wish I could say I just decided to, you know that, that that I had to have a mindset change. It was like it just happened. It was like okay, this is this is what they were talking about. <laughs> Here we go. This ain't easy. <laughs> so now that you all know you're a man, <laughs> I'm glad we got that letter. <laughs> you're all mature That's and everything. <laughs> What has been one of the hardest decisions you've had to make as a man that you can share publicly, of course? That mature responsibility, what's been one of the hardest decisions you've had to make within that realm of a man? I could, it has me thinking. Uh, so I think it's not the hardest one. Um, there's still ongoing decisions constantly. But one of those was before I got married um, and I made the wrong decision. Um, just to be clear, like I was working at two different coffee shops um, and I knew I should. I was supposed to leave this one coffee shop um, and work at. Uh, where I'm currently working at at Michael's. Um, and so there was a spell where I was pretty much working like three jobs. Um, and I felt like like the Lord told me, it was like, all right, leave this other coffee shop, go work at Brew and go work at Michael's. But I chose to work at the other coffee shop and uh, instead of Michael's. And that was just like strictly like choosing to make a better paycheck mm-hmm. and my whole choice going to start working at brew wasn't because of the pay. Um, I knew that this coffee shop in particular, that the knowledge that I was going to get was worth mm-hmm. his weight in gold. Um, and that Michael's was, um, also like lessons that I learned from like waking up three o'clock in the morning, every morning to be there or before three o'clock to be there at three o'clock mm-hmm. to unload the truck stock shelves and then having a certain standard of how we did that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was definitely a valuable lesson. Thankfully, there's grace because yes. um, <laughs> uh, in spite of me choosing to stay with the other coffee shop, they end up letting me go mm-hmm. uh, because of their uh, slower period of time. But they had hired a person that still doesn't make sense how they let me go and then hired this person the same day. <laughs> uh, but there's no, there was still no hurt, hurt feelings about it. Um, and there was a grace in that because... Um, where I first I felt upset like quickly after that there was like forgiveness mm-hmm. um, and then I end up going back to Michael's working Michael's for like another year um, but what I learned from that and that that decision was still I'm at brew to this day managing the coffee shop um, and if I had uh, stayed at Avisbro and chose Avisbro over brew just because of a paycheck um, 
I don't even think I would be at Haversboro right now, <laughs> nor would I have ever had the opportunity to compete in a barista, a national barista competition. Um, or the knowledge that I've learned and that's just with coffee. There's more stuff that I've learned from just the owner because he's like pouring information and wants me just to be better overall um, <laughs> across the board as far as in business, as far as just like um, in leadership, just like even over our own households. So like giving me books to read and stuff like that to kind of help me be a better person. So, yeah. That's awesome. You want to go or you want me to go? You can go. <laughs> what was the question again? Toughest decision you've had to make as a man. The toughest that you can share. The toughest decision that I've ever had to make as a man is actually the decision to stop working. I was raised as a, I think the proper term is chauvinist. Yeah, that's about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, even my mother, my, my, my stepfather, you know, every man that was in my life always drilled into me about being the man and taking care of your household. And no matter what happens, you, you be the man and you take care of your household. You go out there, you hustle, you get that check, you know, and then, you know, you can do what you want to do. Then I married a woman who made more money than me. And then I married a woman who had more potential in employment than I did. So it was like, okay, I can put her in a position to hold her back to, so she can take care of the family. Or I can stay home and take care of the family and let her work. I went back and forth on that decision for a couple of years. And by a couple, I mean like 10. Um, <laughs> a few. Yeah, a few. <laughs> but I mean, but the thing was, is that it, it was having to put down my ego and say, all right, let's, let's look at the numbers. Let's remove the emotion and be, be logical. And, and, and as hard as that was, that was a hard decision for me because I also know that there's a lot of people who I really covet their approval who consider me a failure. So it's like, okay, can I live with that? And, you know, going back to that and say, when you have those moments where you know, okay, I'm a man. One mm-hmm. of those moments was like, okay, I know what they think. Mm-hmm. I can do it. It's not going to change what we do because at the end of the day it, I got to make sure that my household is good and then that gives me the opportunity to do all the other stuff that we talk about so that 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 but that was a hard one and that <clears throat> is a hard one that's good <laughs> that's good though yeah because I feel like a lot of things I guess it depends on the generation because I feel like yeah. our generation is at that point where our the, the men that are in our lives were like like the heads of the family, mm-hmm. the ones who worked in the factories, and that's like kind of dying off. Yeah. I would feel like because as I mean, just society changes as things evolve, as things grow. It's like where the way things were back then is like different now, and and so yeah. <laughs> Do I have to go? Oh, right. <laughs> now I, I'm sitting here thinking. I'm like, the only, the only thing I can think of is, uh, is quitting sports. Mm. Honestly, wow. I try not to talk about that, but hey, here we go. Um, no, nah, because um, I played college football at Campbell, and um, I really wanted to to go like play professionally, mm-hmm. and it was hard for me to quit because I I. I remember waking up at 6 a.m. in the morning, going to school all day, hydrating, eating a bunch of food, going to practice for five hours, watching film. Like, I, I love that. Mm-hmm. But then, like, when I got hurt, um, you know, things that I was just not the same player. Yeah. And um, it was hard for me to make the decision to not um, play because um, 
I get this from my mom. She's a fighter and she doesn't quit. And so I instilled that in my life and I looked at quit quitting as a failure Mm. during that time. Um, But looking back at it now, it was not a failure. It was just a season in my life that just came to an end. Even if I didn't play in the NFL and make a bunch of money, it was just a a closing of a chapter and starting of a new one. So definitely quitting sports and and football was the toughest decision in my life. Um, But it, it also made me... It was one of those moments where I actually grew when it comes to um, caring about what people thought of you. You know, I I definitely went back and forth in my mind about that. But I was like, you know, I got to look out for myself Uh because at the end of the day, coaches just look at you as a number. That part. (laughs) (laughs) And they don't want to say it, but that's reality. Mm -hmm. And when you're down, next man up. So. I had to be, it's not even selfish. I just had to take care of myself, mm-hmm. listen to my body, and just move on with my life. So, That's good. Yeah. One of the common themes I hear with everybody is sacrifice. You know, and how your role as a man, after following a manly role model, <laughs> <laughs> you, you learn to sacrifice yeah. for a greater vision and a greater purpose. And, and I admire that. I think we have time for one more question. Yeah, we got time for one, one yeah. more. We'll end on a fun one. <laughs> oh, Lord. I would love to know. When you were a little nappy-headed boy, Two. what did you want to be when you grew up and why? I wanted to be a veterinarian. I, I love ah. animals. I still do. Um, and, and so there was a moment where I just, yeah. And I think, yeah, that was like my main thing. Um, I never really chased it because it was, I didn't really know what it was outside of animals. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a moment where that was a thought. And um, yeah, I never, it wasn't like a firefighter or a policeman. I just love animals. I wanted to play with animals. <laughs> a veterinarian. Who was your favorite superhero? Um, I can't say I really had one as a kid. Like, I like Wolverine. Mm, okay. But as a kid, I, I didn't really watch a lot of superhero stuff. So you wanted to be a veterinarian and you like Wolverine. I see the connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to tell something up. <laughs> In the name of science. <laughs> Uh, for me, it was a police officer. Oh, why a police officer? I have no clue. <laughs> I just thought that you know police officers were, you know, good, you know, good guys and mm-hmm. stop crime and um, I don't know. That just changed for no reason. Um, I just fell in love with sports and I don't know. Just I just felt like if I was a good guy then. Let me do a good guy job. Mm, okay. That sounds so cheesy, but I'm going to go with it. Hey, it works. <laughs> Favorite superhero? Favorite superhero. Um, just thought of another one. Huh? Yeah. I just, I, <laughs> I, just, did I just did. What'd you think of? Leonardo. Ah. Uh, <laughs> that was <that laughs> so my yes. superhero. Yes. Cowabunga, dude. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, superhero. Um, come back to me on that one. Okay. Yeah. Think about it. What did you want to be when you grew up? When I grew up, I wanted to be a truck driver. Like long distance? Like a long distance over road okay. truck driver. I, that was, my. I always wanted to just have that job where I could get in the truck and then start driving. And drop stuff off and get back in the truck and drive away. And it was to the point where, oh gosh, now I'm really going to date myself. When we were in <laughs> sixth grade, we had to take an occupation test mm-hmm. back in middle school. And so it was, it was a test to kind of tell you where your passion is and what you want to be. Right. Well, I, I cheated. 
Because <laughs> that's what so, <laughs> so, I cheated. So it would tell me, you know, that I wanted to be a truck driver. Because all. Because the bad thing was, I, with the stuff that I liked to do and the stuff that I was good at, it didn't fit. Mm-hmm. But I loved to drive and I loved to be by myself on the road. So that was just what I always wanted to do. Right. And who was your favorite superhero? Oh, that's easy. Lion up. <laughs> it would that it would be okay. Well, that's a trick question. My favorite good guy superhero was Lionel. Mm-hmm. My favorite superhero, in my opinion, was Darth Vader. Okay, you can't touch Darth Vader. That's, but that's you know, everybody would tell you you can't root for the bad guy. But can. I always, <laughs> but I mean, I always that, that was I've always been a villain lover. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, it's back to you. Mm-hmm. Back on the hot seat. Gosh, can I choose an actor? Sure. <laughs> Whoever was a superhero to you? Jean Claude Van Damme. Oh, interesting. I, I I loved his movies growing up. Mm-hmm. I had a cousin, and he had, gosh, like a whole collection of just karate movies, Bruce Lee's, <laughs> and watching that guy's movies, I was like. That guy's cool. <laughs> Even though I ain't, I couldn't do karate. <laughs> okay. But it was good, it was good seeing him kick people's butts, you know. But uh, nah, that, that's my that's my favorite actor still. So love it, love it. <laughs> you loved me growing up. I had all those movies too. Oh man, <laughs> couple generations off. Yeah, I know. Because I mean, you know, <laughs> when I had all those movies, he was still in diapers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you all for allowing me to ask you some questions. I think it's always nice to kind of hear a little bit about the people behind the voices. And so I appreciate it. And hopefully your listeners do too. I'm proud of what you all are doing. And uh, I listen faithfully and just keep my husband answering questions in my favor. And uh, (laughs) all will be well. Cool. And on that note. We'd like to thank y'all for listening to You Believe What. Please remember if you want, if you would like to, follow us on Instagram at You Believe What Pod. You can also follow us on Twitter at You Believe What Too. I hate that they have to be separate, be different. It would be nice if we could get one, but I ain't that rich yet. Uh, <laughs> and if you have any questions or topics you would like to hear us tackle on the show, email us at You Believe What Pod at gmail.com. We're very interested to hear what you have to say. And uh, to the people who sent the emails disagreeing with us, we'll talk about them. So, have a good night. We'll catch y'all next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.